All right, well, I stand before you this morning to proclaim three of the most joyous words ever uttered. He is risen. Amen. I'm so grateful you decided to brave the chilly weather in order to hear a word from the Lord. You know, the truth preached in this cold saves us from experiencing quite the opposite conditions. We are so thankful for Christmas, where we celebrate the birth of our Savior. We're so thankful for Good Friday, where we celebrate His death. But you know, if it wasn't for the celebration of this day, there would be no joy found in any other. Before we do anything else this morning, let us turn to the Lord and praise Him for the gift that is to be found in the resurrection through prayer and ask Him to bless our time together in His Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the empty tomb still stands today as a reminder of your infinite power, your majesty, and your glory. You truly are who you said you are in your word. Your conduct matches your character, and we have gathered here this morning to praise you for your infinite and eternal worth. Lord, we humbly confess that you are our God, and we have no good apart from you. We praise you for the finished work of reconciliation that was accomplished through Christ Jesus, our risen Lord and Savior. We ask you today to open up the windows of our soul, for we desperately desire to draw near to you through prayer, time in your word, and worship. Father, fill your people with your spirit and empower us through your grace to behold the joy that is to be found in you. Thank you, Father, for inviting us into your family. Thank you for adopting us as sons and daughters and for allowing us to become joint heirs with Christ out of the abundance of the riches of your mercy and grace. Father, please help me to boldly and clearly proclaim the truth that is to be found in the gospel. We plead to you this morning in the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. Lord, direct our hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. We ask all of these things in the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope you do, please turn with me, if you will, to the book of Mark, chapter 16. We'll be concentrating on verses 1 through 8. Again, Mark 16, 1 through 8. The title here is The, the Resurrection. And uh, in honor of the preaching of the, or the reading of the word, please stand. We do that here at Red Cross. Got to remember that one. <laughs> and in honor of Pastor, Pastor Jesse, if you're there, say word. Thank you, church. All right. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Solomon brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back for it was very large. And entering the tomb, 
They saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Thank you. You may be seated. It's kind of a weird way to end that passage, but we're going to touch on that in just a second. But first... I want to draw your mind to about this same time last year. We were just beginning to enter into the storm that has become known as COVID-19. This has been a topic that has consumed the conversations of so many. We're at the point where we now even get sick from just hearing about it. One of the many things I have come to learn throughout this time, however, I find pretty interesting, is that in a light of a more deadly disease, a lesser one will fade. You might be wondering, what do you mean by that? Well, for example, I can't think of a single person this year who, have had, who has had the flu. Can you? With so much attention being placed on COVID, the, the flu is all but forgotten. Because COVID is the, most, the more perilous concern. And because of that, it has completely overshadowed it. But I can't help but wonder, what would happen if mankind were to discover yet another disease that dwarfs COVID by comparison? Would that not warrant our attention? Would addressing that not be our primary area of focus or concern? I wonder, are we aware that there is actually another sickness that is worse than COVID? It infects 100% of the population around us. It has coursed through the veins of all of our loved ones, including both you and me. And this is an ailment with a 100% death rate. If what I am telling you is the truth, and it is, then would not that be a reason to grab our attention and motivate us to do everything within our power to eradicate it before it destroys us and those we love? Would that not be a reason to have that as our primary concern And yet this is one of the most ignored and neglected diseases on the planet. Some of you already know where I'm going with this. I'm talking about the greatest foe of every human being. It's called the sickness of sin. And it it infects the flesh of every single person on the planet. It leads to certain death and it is as real as the air you breathe. This virus has coursed through the veins of every human, taking the lives of even the strongest of men. Centuries have come and gone, and no one has been able to defeat it. None but one. History does record that there was one who held the power to overcome it by his blood. And now... His blood holds the precious antibodies we need to defeat it as well. Through the cross, 
Christ has freely opened up his veins and poured out his own blood to the point of death that there might be enough for everyone to whom the Spirit draws near. As the old hymn goes, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The thief, the dying thief, rejoiced that day. The, the dying thief rejoiced to see the fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. If you are hearing the sound of my voice this morning, I'm going to ask you this. Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? And if you have, if that's true, are you sharing such a tremendous opportunity with others? Are you striving to lead others to Christ? Or has your love for God and man grown cold? I pray that even in the midst of this cold, chilly morning, the word of the Lord would spark a fire in our hearts for the gospel. Those who are held secure in Christ ought to be a people of the cure. But if we're honest, we don't always live like it. In a lot of ways, we have let restrictions we have experienced hinder us from rendering aid to those who are perishing. Since last March, we have heard governmental mandates such as stay away from people, stay at home, cover your face, cover your mouth, don't travel, don't attend gatherings, don't gather for worship. We've even been told, don't corporately sing praises to his name. Oh, and by the way, don't worry about any of this because your government will take care of you. We'll fix all of this for you. Now, church, please hear me. I'm not saying that COVID shouldn't be a concern for a Christian. It has tragically claimed the lives of nearly 3 million people on the, on the planet but you know, COVID wouldn't even exist apart from sin. And what I am trying to express to you this morning is that COVID is a drop in the bucket compared to those that are perishing without the gospel. Did you know that there are 8 billion people on the planet? And of that number, only around 2 billion claim to be a follower of Christ. That means that right now, there are nearly 6 billion people on the planet headed for an eternity spent in hell. So I ask you this morning, church, where should our focus be? Are we to simply stay at home and stay quiet and just trust the government to handle the rest while over 6 billion others perish into an eternity spent in hell? There has to be a better way. There is a better way. We are called to follow God with every single fiber of our being. And I believe it's time for us to repent and unmask our own hypocrisy and do just that. May the church hear and heed the word of the Lord this morning. We are commanded by God Almighty to draw near to those who are perishing. We are called to open up our mouths and boldly proclaim that in the blood of Christ there is a cure. But if we're being honest, we neglect this. And I believe we neglect this for two reasons. 
Number one, we have grown complacent in our comfort. And number two, we have become frozen in our fear. We don't need a vaccine from our government to tell us that it's now safe to go and spread the gospel. We have been given a command from our king to go and tell the nations. There is a cure to be found in the gospel. Did you know that the word gospel actually means good news? But I remember something a pastor once told me. The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. May Paul's proclamation in 2 Corinthians 6, 1 through 2, provoke us into action. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. Listen to this. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Church, now is the time for action. If you are like me and you feel a call to actively engage in the gospel, but you are fearful of what's to come, I have more good news for you this morning. The message is titled, The Rising of the Sun, and in it we're going to see how the transforming light of the gospel empowers us to live our lives in light of His. We're going to be seeing in Mark three things, that the light, His light has come to heal us. His light has come to help us. And His light has come to be our hope. But this is a hope that must be heard. Point number one, His light has come to heal. Look in verses 2 and 6 in Mark 16. We learn in verses 2 and 6 that two suns rose that day. In verse 2, very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And when they got there, the angel of the Lord said to them, Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is risen. Two suns rose that day. I've always enjoyed sunrise service for this reason. Just the whole imagery of the light of the world rising gloriously from the grave, offering warmth, comfort, healing, joy, and life to all that it touches. Check out these prophetic promises offered throughout the scriptures that pertain to this event. We see in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. In the New Testament, Luke chapter 1, 78 and 79 says, Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Lastly, John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Church, the sun of righteousness has risen. You can go to this very day and see the place where they have laid him. 
It's time we live our lives in light of His. We of all people should be a people filled with hope and joy, leaping like calves from the stall. For our shepherd has come to lead us into green pastures and into still waters. Yes, there is sickness, darkness, and death all around us, but we have seen a light of the world, and it has come with healing in its wings. This is a light that scatters the darkness. This is a light that holds the power to conquer sin, death, and the grave. So may we say in the words of David, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, so close to death, its shadow is around us. We will fear no evil. For Christ, our shepherd king, is with us. May we boldly proclaim that the healing the world so desperately longs for will not ultimately come from a vaccine or from a government, but rather from our king and his blood. May the riches that are found in Christ stimulate us into action. So yes, his light has come to heal us, but also number two, his light has also come to help us. Christ has come to remove all obstacles in front of us. Look in verses one and three. When they were heading to the tomb that morning, they were going there fully expecting to work. How do I know that? They brought with them spices. Well, why would they do that? They were going to anoint him. They were saying to one another, who's gonna roll away the stone for us? They were heading to the tomb, expecting to get to work and properly embalm the body of Christ. But they were also concerned about something else, something that, that, that they could not do. An obstacle in front of them that was too heavy for them to remove under their own strength. But to their surprise when they arrived, both of these issues have been completely resolved. Christ's resurrection shows us that the work has been accomplished on our behalf. For when they got to the tomb, they looked up and they saw the stone, which the word of the Lord says was very large. I believe it does that for a reason. It's been rolled away. Not only that, but there was no body to be found. Christ's resurrection reminds us that through his heavenly help, the work which we could never do was accomplished. It's finished. Through Christ, our salvation is accomplished. It's secure. They knew heading to the tomb that they would need some assistance. But in their heart of hearts, they weren't expecting the sort they found. You know, the stone was not the only burden Christ moved out of the way for his people. He's also lifted from us the burden which comes from keeping the law. The word of the Lord says that it will crush all who cannot uphold it. Check out how Romans 8, 1 through 4 puts this. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh 
in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Recall back to what Pastor Jesse preached on Good Friday. What made this possible? Through the cross of Christ, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Church, Christ was crushed in our place. This is a weight that no man could shoulder. Only one who was both truly God and truly man could fully withstand the payment that was necessary and endure the wrath that sin's punishment required. Christ himself told us that his death would not only remove our burdens, but would also give us blessings. He promised us that he would provide help for us along life's way. Remember back in John 16, 7 through 8, where Jesus said, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I leave you. For if I do not, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. We do not have to go through life alone. He has promised to be with us even to the end of the age. We have seen how Christ's life gives us, His light gives us life. We have seen how His light gives us healing. We have seen how His light has come to help us. But lastly, let's look at how His light has come to be our hope. But this is a hope that must be heard. Church, the time for fear is over. The time to be afraid is over. For even death itself has been defeated through our conquering king. That morning, when they arrived at the tomb, they came there afraid. But God, God called them to a place of peace through Christ. If you will, in your Bible, look at verses 5 and 6. When they arrived at the tomb, they were alarmed. That means that they were afraid. And they said to them, the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth. He was crucified, but he has risen. He's not here. And he tells them, he says, see the place where they laid him. I love how the messenger of the Lord directs their attention in response to their fear. He tells them, look at what Christ has done. Take your eyes off of this and put them on that. Put them on Christ. See the place where they laid him. He's not there. He's risen. Church, Christ has allowed us to lay him low in order for him to raise us high. He is to be our risen, living hope. The power of sin and death could not hold him. His resurrection is proof that He is who He said He was. Verse 7 shows us this. What does it say? It says, Go and tell the disciples and Peter that He is going before you to Galilee, and there, will you, and there you will see Him. But, but what does it say after that? Just as He told you. He is keeping His word. He has kept 
his word. He has kept his promises. He is faithful unto the end. Our God is faithful. Our God has proven time and time again that he can be trusted. The empty tomb is a reason that our heart should be empty of fear and full of hope and joy. For our God is with us and he reigns over all. But look at verse 8. This is so interesting. Look at verse 8. When they went out, they fled from the tomb. When you, when you flee from something, you're running in fear. They fled from the tomb. They were trembling. And astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone. For they were afraid. Church, we ought to be careful that we don't leave here this morning the same way. They ran from the tomb and said nothing to anyone because their mouths were frozen shut in fear. Even though an angel of the Lord had told them, go and tell Jesus' disciples and Peter, they left there first and did not utter a single word to anyone. But you know what? I praise God He would not allow them to remain in that condition. Eventually, they repented of their failure to follow His commands. And they did speak up in order to bear witness of the truth to what they have seen and heard. Perhaps you may be wondering, well, how do you know that? How do you know that they finally spoke up? Consider this. Are you hearing the gospel this morning? The very fact that we are reading and hearing this message bears witness to their repentance. Read the accounts given in other Gospels. Look in Matthew, Luke, and John, where it tells us that they were not quiet for long. Despite their fears, they also possessed great joy. And eventually, they ran and told the disciples, who then told others. But what about you this morning? As a result of their obedience, you're hearing the gospel. But how will you respond to his empty tomb? How will you respond to his command given by God to go and tell the world of this good news? Church, as I have said, the time for fear is over. We have a risen king. And we have been risen with our king. Colossians 2.12 says we have been buried with him in, in, in baptism. And we were raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Colossians 3.1 says since we have been raised with Christ, we should seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Romans tells us in chapter 8, Christ is in you. Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead is living in us. He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Christ has given us a light to be our life. This is a light that heals. 
This is a light that helps. This is a light that is to be our hope. But this is a hope that must be heard. In case you've been like me, for there was a time in my own life where I failed Christ over and over and over again. And there will be another time in my own life where I fail Christ over and over again when it comes to keeping His commandment and obeying the Great Commission. I want to leave you with one last glorious truth. Please pay attention to this. Behold the grace of God. Our God is a God of second chances. He's patient. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. I believe verse 7 shows us this. If we look closely, we can miss this. Be careful. Look in verse 7. The angel of the Lord told them, Go and tell the disciples so that they could go and then in turn tell others, but he singles someone out. Look closely. What does it say? Go and tell the disciples and Peter. Why does it sing Peter out? Why does it single him out? Isn't he a disciple? Well, he was the one who just three days prior denied Christ over and over and over again. And the angel of the Lord tells them, make sure he hears this. Make sure he's reminded of this good news. The gospel is not just a message that we need to hear once. It's a message that we must hear over and over and over again. Every single time we fail. Church, it's not if, but when we fail, when we sin, when we fall short. Preach the good news of the gospel to yourself. Preach it boldly to others. Every single head of household is a pastor. Preach it boldly to your congregation. Fathers, preach it to your wives. Wives, preach it to your children. Remind them and even yourself daily that even though we run from our responsibilities, even though we fail Him, just as He was with Peter, Christ constantly pursues us. He's desiring all the more to empower us through His Holy Spirit. Even though we sin against Him, His grace and love abounds. In the words of David, though our flesh and our hearts may fail, God is the strength of our heart and our portion forever. So as we close, church, in our flesh, we do not have the strength to overcome sin, death, the grave, or even our fears. But through Christ, we have just seen how all of this was done in our place. We have just heard a real life example of those who through Christ overcame their failures and fears and through His Spirit were empowered to be obedient to the call of the gospel. We know this because as I said earlier, two billion people are celebrating Easter today for the right reasons. They're celebrating the resurrection of Christ and what it means for those who belong to Him. Yes, for a time they were silent, but they could not keep quiet for long. Your hearing this good news proclaimed to you bears witness to this truth. 
But what about you? How will you respond? How will the world know if you were obedient to the Great Commission to go and tell others the good news that is to be found in Christ's resurrection? Well, you, do you remember those six other billion people on the planet who are perishing without the gospel? Though you have heard, will they? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have just seen through your perfect holy word that you have allowed us to share in your resurrection and new life. We know that this is only made possible through the Trinity's work of redemption. Empower us, Lord, through your transforming, life-giving light to behold the truths that you have come to give us new life. You have come to heal us from our sickness of sin and deliver us from the punishment of death. You have come to help us finish the journey home to you. And you have come to be our only hope. But you have also commanded us that this is a hope that must be heard. We are to share this with others. And it can only be shared if we, have, if we, if we speak it, Lord. Help us to boldly proclaim your truth through the power of your Holy Spirit and the reminder of the empty tomb. Fill us up, Lord. Fill us up and send us out. Help us to boldly proclaim with the saints of old that He is risen. He is risen indeed. We ask all of this in Christ's mighty name. Amen.